0: Ooh, boo, sit, ooh, boo, sit. Girl, I'm a doctor. Some bad hat hairdo. It's a cool show. <laughs> get any of that? Not a doctor.
1: Bye. Have a beautiful day, Bremula. No,
0: we're out. No, we're out.
2: Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordas. I'm Demas Leary And today we'll be discussing Peacemaker Season 1. And joining us to do that from the Dialogue Options Video Games Podcast, Joel McDonald. How are you doing, Joel?
1: I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming
2: on. Appreciate you uh, coming on. You actually came as a fan request. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So people on Twitter were like, "Get Joel on. Get Joel on. He likes Peacemaker." So we I, did it. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I do. I.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert. I do like this show good,
0: <laughs> quite a good. lot.
2: What's been happening with you, man? What's been happening with dialogue, dialogue options? What's been happening with you uh, elsewhere on the web?
1: Uh, we're, we're just sort of getting back into the swing of things. I know it's March, but like, <laughs> it's. Same here. It's, uh, yeah, but, like, yeah, getting back into the swing of things, but, like, uh, games are coming out, and some quite big juicy ones, so, mm-hmm. um, I think we're gonna be, uh, recording sometime this week our latest episode, and it's gonna be all about Elden Ring, so, Ooh. if you wanna hear, talk about some, like, really hard fantasy, like, frustrating games then uh yeah come and listen to us talk <laughs> do about- I yes I know it's such a sales pitch on that one um yeah so we're probably gonna be talking about Elden Ring because um, that's basically all I've been playing uh totally. when I'm it not doing anything else seems all-consuming sort of game have you been streaming any of Elden Ring as well because you've been streaming a bit lately as well I've noticed I have doing, been doing some streaming I haven't streamed Elden Ring because um I, I haven't been bothered to I don't have a capture card for for, for for consoles so ah, right. um to get you know tech talky or whatever but um so I mainly just do stuff that's like PC oriented because it's sort of built in so I can just come in here and do that but um yeah I I haven't done much streaming for a little while but I do do that as well and um it, whether playing video games or playing music doing, doing some DJ stuff. Oh yes yeah, well. so you do
2: do your stuff of as cool. well so that's on Twitch is it Jolly Mac is that your uh, name? It's there yeah, well?
1: Twitch.tv slash Jolly Mac fourteen fourteen. I think it is. Okay, cool. One four one
2: four. cool. So you can check out Jolly there, and obviously the Dialogue Options podcast, of which I haven't been a guest on in ages. So you know, <laughs> just saying, if you want to be back on,
1: um, the, the last m- time we had you on, to be fair, it was like, we we had you on like I think back to back. So. We sort of like banked you up, I think. Possibly. I also, yeah. I think one of them was a
2: three-hour podcast about Final Fantasy VII Remake, which was probably was I did my dues <laughs> for a, a while there. <laughs> Damascus, what's been happening with you?
3: Um. So we had a long weekend in Perth. So uh-huh. I on the Sunday I um was it Sunday or my Mo- it was on the Monday. Sorry, it's. It's been a whirlwind. Um, I ran my first uh D and D session. <laughs> I ran my first marathon. <laughs> no, my fitness level is a joke. Um, uh, no, I didn't do that. That's why I, I ran said my it. first D and D game. How dare you? Um, which was good. Um, it was just like I got a bunch of friends over who had never played before. Got them to make their characters, and then we did just a really quick short session. Uh, Sweet. to prepare for a future one which as awesome. we all know goes for about three to four hours
2: absolutely oh yes. super fun excellent I got the uh, the PDF version of the Avatar The Last Airbender <gasps> slash Korra oh you got it? yeah D&D so the, the physical nice. copy hasn't arrived yet but I've got the PDF version now so awesome um, I'm making my way through that bit by bit and maybe eventually we'll run a campaign of that anyway that's enough side chat let's get to our spoiler free review of Peacemaker Season 1 let me clue you in
3: season in review
2: Peacemaker is an American superhero television series based on the Joe Gill and Pat Boyette DC comic character of the same name and created by James Gunn for HBO Max. Premiering on January 13th, 2022, Peacemaker was the first DC Extended Universe television series, meaning it's connected canonically to theatrical movies, a la the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and a spin-off from the 2021 James Gunn film The Suicide Squad. Set after the events of the film, Christopher Smith, aka Peacemaker, having recovered from the injuries he suffered in pursuit of Project Starfish, is forced to join the mysterious Argus Black Ops squad squad. Project Butterfly. The show was directed mostly and written entirely by Gunn and stars John Cena, Danielle Brooks, Freddie Stromer, Chuck Woody Iwuji, Jennifer Holland, Steve Agge, Robert Patrick, Annie Change, Nut Lee, and guest stars Viola Davis, reprising her role as Amanda Waller. Peacemaker Season 1 consists of eight episodes, each coming in at around 41 minutes, and took us approximately five hours and 25 minutes to watch. In February of 2022, Peacemaker was officially renewed for a second season, with Gunn set to not just write, but also direct the entire second season. So before we get to our spoiler-free review, I wanted to ask you both, uh, what is your history with like DC, D- the DC Extended Universe, comic book character, etc., cetera, et cetera, with James Gunn, the director, and specifically with the character of Peacemaker, starting with you, Joel?
1: Um, so... The DC, the DC EU, I guess, in terms of we're talking about that sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I I've, I've got so many holes in there because I just haven't really cared about a lot of it. So I think all of I've seen has been like the original Suicide Squad movie, which let's the less talked about that the better. <laughs> but um, uh, and then the um James Gunn Suicide Squad, and I think like Shazam and Wonder Woman, both the Wonder Woman movies. Um, so, like, I've got bits and pieces from here and there, uh, but the draw card to Suicide Squad in the first place was, was James Gunn because I'm a big, apart from being a big MCU fan, I, I, Guardians is one of my favourites of those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so, like, I, I, I love his work and I love his style. I love his soundtracks as well. <laughs> um, so I was always like, yeah, this is going to be fun for me personally no matter what. Um, but yeah, so I like my connection to to all of this and, and peacemaker as a character was mm-hmm. literally what I saw in the suicide squad. That's all I know about that character, um and I yeah, I feel like that's probably maybe a good thing in a way, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think I think
2: based on how the suicide squad was constructed, I think most of those characters part from Harley Quinn. Um, probably weren't meant to be characters you were super familiar with. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'd heard in passing from comics, but they're not. They were never meant to be a listers. They were meant to be d listers. So the fact that you'd never heard of Peacemaker, I think, is the same as everybody. Uh, Damascus. What about you? Your connection with DC, James Gunn, and Peacemaker?
3: Um. So I've, I think I've watched most of the DC EU stuff just out of like morbid curiosity, because <laughs> obviously there's a lot of opinions out there. Um, about that stuff and so I have checked it out because of that. I enjoyed the first Wonder Woman film. I'd actually forgotten about Shazam but I I think I watched that on a plane and quite enjoyed that as well. Um, I watched the original Suicide Squad film, hated it (laughs) Um, and then I watched an amazing – what's it called? A film – video essay – Uh, I think the YouTube channel is called Beyond Ideas, um, just about how truly terrible the direction was. And it's a long video essay, but it's so satisfying to watch. Just this guy absolutely lose his mind at how truly terrible it was. Um, Actually, it wasn't about the direction. It was about the editing and the art of editing. And it was really interesting. Cool. Um, I had no real desire to watch The Suicide Squad. Um, in I guess as a concept, but then obviously we heard that James Gunn was behind it. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll give it a go if I have to. And I enjoyed it far more than I was expecting to, which was a nice surprise. I had no knowledge of Peacemaker or a lot of those other characters. Other than obviously you mentioned Harley Quinn. Um, oh, I also love the Birds of Prey film, I should say. Mm, really, yes. Really, yes, really, really enjoyed amazing. that. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, so it was it was a nice surprise because I feel like I'd watched Birds of Prey being like, oh, this is I enjoyed that. And then I watched The Suicide Squad. I was like, huh, maybe DCEU isn't totally removed from the things that I enjoy, which is nice. Uh,
2: similar in a lot of ways. Uh, I've seen, I think, all of the DCEU stuff up to this point. Oh, I haven't seen Shazam, but I've seen um, everything else, Birds of Prey, Wonder Woman films, Aquaman, all of that, plus the, the Snyder stuff. Uh, in general, I like DC characters, especially Batman. I am um, not haven't read a lot of comics except for some Batman ones, especially some um, of the sort of more well-regarded ones. Um, but certainly like a lot of Batman films. I'm nowhere near as big a DC fan as I'm a Marvel fan, though. James Gunn, however, huge fan of his, especially since Guardians of the Galaxy, which I still think is my mm-hmm. favourite MCU film to this day. I saw that. Five times at the cinemas. I loved it so much. I looked for excuses to take people who hadn't seen it before. I think yep. I went at one stage on a lunch break at work. I was like, fuck, I've got three hours to spare. It's, I've got a weird work situation. And,
3: it. You've got money. <laughs> and so I <laughs>
2: went to the movies. Um, that being said, his stuff prior to Guardians of the Galaxy, I wasn't. Necessarily, I think I was aware of. I'd seen Slither and uh, maybe some other stuff, but I wouldn't say I was a fan. I knew he had like a cult Sort of following at the time, and it was he was a weird director who was making weird schlocky, hyper-violent sort of stuff, and then he got the suicide. The, sorry, the Guardians the Galaxy, and that was sort of a weird deal. And he brought a lot to that property. In Terms of Peacemaker was introduced to him in the Suicide Squad, and uh, I didn't really particularly like him in that uh, necessarily, but you weren't meant to. I did like John Cena's performance, but like certainly wasn't aching for like more of the Peacemaker, if that makes sense. Um, so this is usually where I'd ask the guests to review the the give their review first, but today i us start with an email from longtime listener of the show Steve Jeffrey. Stephen says, "Hiya, well." Yeah. Peacemaker, what a revelation. I had no particular expectations going in, except that people, looking at you, Joel, (laughs) were saying it was hilarious and raving about the dance sequence in the opening credits. I've seen The Suicide Squad, didn't leave that thinking it was anything particularly special, aside from yet another take on the multifaceted... Please make up your mind, DC, character of Harley Quinn. Peacemaker himself? (laughs) Meh. Supporting cast among many. Then I saw the show. Ryan Reynolds is probably kicking himself. This is the Deadpool show we never knew we needed, except it's actually a DC property. Given the earnest, saccharine nature of the DC TV universe, mainly on the CW front, who knew they had it in them? It's irreverent. It's bloody. It's batshit insane. It's inclusive. It's got an 80s hair metal soundtrack I used to abhor back in the day, but find myself strangely nostalgic. For. Basically, I love it. Can't wait for the second season. Meanwhile, Marvel, take note. Have a word with Ryan. I'm sure he's up for it. Cheers, guys. Steve.
3: Well said, Steve. Yes. Beautiful
2: review, Steve. Joel, how do you follow up? What's your review? Spoiler-free review of Peacemaker season one.
1: Okay, so I yeah, like I mentioned before, I really enjoyed the Suicide Squad when we when I saw that. Um, I watched it at home, but I, I really enjoyed. It, but I mean, that was the James Gunn factor of it, but much like everyone, I think when they heard that Peacemaker was going to be getting its own series, spin-off series, I was like, okay, interesting. That's a, that's a choice for sure. But again, it was the James Gunn factor that got me in the door. Um, but yeah, he, James Gunn came through with the goods and he's, I feel like he's made something that's memorable and pushed a, a character that I didn't have any real attachment to into one of my favorite TV shows of recent memory. And I've been that earnestly. I, I loved this show so much. Um, it's hilarious. It's somber. It's full of heart. Uh, and it has, like I mentioned before, a killer soundtrack, uh, which you kind of expect from a James Gunn sort of, uh, James Gunn joint. um, I, if you've ever seen my Twitter account, I've been raving about the show since I watched it. <laughs> Every week it was like, watch Pete Smaker, It's so good. <laughs> um, and I'm definitely not going to slow down anytime soon, especially because, you know, it's getting a season two. Um, but I can't wait to see where they go in season two with this. But in the meantime, I'm going to turn the volume dial all the way up to 11 and blast. Uh, Do you really want to taste it <laughs> from Wigworm? Because, uh, you know, and just robotic dance around my living room. <laughs> Awesome. Damask.
3: All right. <laughs> Guys, my review is really stupid and I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was super tired when I wrote it. <laughs> um okay, so as we was we pretty much all stated like I wasn't super interested in the character of Peacemaker. Like the performance was good in the film. I think we can all acknowledge that John Cena was great. I actually really enjoyed him in uh, what was it Cockblockers as well. I'm like this guy's got a good sense of humor, um, good comedic timing, and all that stuff. But I wasn't overly enthused to watch the show. I was like, I'll give it a go, but let's let's see what's going to happen here. Um, look, we've all got. It's got to be said that. Peacemaker is a douchebag. Um, and I was like, I am not going to enjoy watching this. Um, and the douchebag stuff is true. He is. There's no getting around that. Uh, but this show wants us to take the time to uncover the beginnings and nuance of douchebaggeriness. You know, what minerals must be sprinkled into the soil to allow for a strong and healthy douchebag tree <laughs> to flourish and grow. <laughs> And while the douchebag tree comes from a douchebag seed, what we come to discover is that it grows not because of the minerals of hate and fear, but because of the rains of friendship and sunshine of love. I must admit, I like I said, I wrote that on a bus as I was falling asleep and I don't know if it makes sense, but it felt good to write. Uh, I really enjoyed the music as we've stated that opening sequence, um, Filled me with joy every time. And I think it was a really smart marketing tool to put that on the interwebs for people to see, to be like, huh, maybe this sh- show is going to be a little different, a little fun, um, something a bit, even camp, dare I say. Uh, look, I want you to know, listeners, is that this show is a masterful balance of stupid humor. CGI familiars and heartfelt character moments that really hit pretty hard, which can be surprising considering how much fun it seems to be having. You know, it tickled my funny bone, gave me a very silly but entertaining plot while making me feel empathy for a character that I was ready and very willing to hate. (laughs) And at the beginning, I was like, don't make me hate him. Oh God, if, if this goes one step too far, I'm out. Like at at any moment I was like, if you cross this line that's going to make me as a a feminist and queer woman just walk away, I'll do it, James Gunn, I'll do it. (laughs) But they never did. They like, they walked that tightrope really beautifully and I think that's a hard thing to do to have a story about a character like this have a really strong message that isn't confusing for viewers in terms of the intention. Yeah, Um, I was thinking about that as well. Yeah, that was really, really skillful. Look, even if you had zero interest in watching the show, I really do have to recommend it to everyone at home.
2: I think it's a really good point you bring up about the the clear intentions. That was something I was thinking about as the show went on, particularly towards the end. And like we've had this conversation about like Walter White or Rick... um, Rick Smith? What's his surname? I can't remember. Uh, Rick from Rick and Morty. Uh, yeah. Sanchez. Rick Sanchez. And the idea of like people lord them as their hero because not understanding that the shows are a critique of why these people are actually pieces of shit and yeah. not to be, you know, held up as in high regard, but people yeah. still do. And I don't think there's any way you can come away from this thinking that the show is celebrating Peacemaker for his worst traits, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, yeah. which I really appreciate. Um in general, I think this show is just very bold and very strong in so many aspects. And all three of us now are bringing up the opening titles. As a perfect example of that, I think of just this show is not afraid to go big and to get go silly and to have a lot of fun. And in doing so, sets itself apart from just so much else that's out there on TV. And that that strength in of imagery as well that Gunn is just so good at flows through the show as well. He knows how to pull off beautiful and scary imagery at the same time. He knows how to make this show fucked up in all the right ways. One thing we talked about in previous shows that have a lot of ultra violence, a la like, uh, Invincible for instance, Sometimes I can find the violence starts to get a bit repetitive or boring because the characters stop reacting. Not in this fucking show. When people and things are getting fucked up, people remember to talk about the fact that that's fucked up and it's it's affecting them because of it. Mm, like, I really sure. appreciate that. The ultraviolence is not there just for the sake of it. It is actually meant to be impactful all the way through. I think that really, really matters to me as well. Um, and for all the comedy and the action and the violence that, yes, you think of James Gunn, you think of Guardians of the Galaxy, you think of the Suicide Squad, he also, the same he did for the Suicide Squad and for Guardians of the Galaxy, never forgets to make the audience care about these characters. There is no one better on this planet right now at bringing together a bunch of misfits and making them into a found family. (laughs) There just isn't. He does it better than anyone going around these days. Um, He always makes rooms for the characters to characters to connect he knows what's important to make us connect with them and the story i think john cena is a fantastic leading man who honestly impresses me that he can be the both the douchebaggy side and make me feel sorry for him in mm. his lowest moments uh i think it's an easy thing to do to make a shit dad you hate a shit dad, but he does it within like thirty seconds. Like, there's never a question of should I hate Peacemaker's dad. No, within thirty seconds, I'm like, yep. you're the biggest piece of shit on the planet, and I hate you. And that was where I was meant to be. And I applaud that that they don't. He just ha- he knows how to to get you to that place, and it and that investment means a lot to me. If I had any real criticisms of the show, it's as funny as it was the most most of the time. Sometimes I thought some dialogue scenes which were either written to be that way or maybe were let to run loose as improv Mm. could be a bit scattershot at times, maybe would run a little bit long. Um, I chalk it up to maybe this being the first time writing a whole TV show, as far as I'm aware. Right. And like... There's a different pace between a two-hour movie and doing a five-hour television show. And maybe you're trying to extend things. Maybe you leave stuff in the edit that you should have taken out. Whatever it is. It wasn't a big deal, but there was definitely a side of it. was like, uh, I kind of wish this scene would move on already or this didn't joke didn't extend so long. It's actually not as funny as I think it is. That's about it, though. Overall, I had a great time with Peacemaker. And I thought it really stuck the landing as well. I was surprised by how yes. good the finale was. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm really looking forward to a season two. Can't wait. Uh, just quickly before we move on to our final score, Damascus, I did want to ask you just the specific question of how does the opening titles rank for you among other TV shows opening titles? Because you have a you know big problem. I've got problem. problems uh, no, with got opening problems. titles. Absolutely.
3: Well, they did an amazing thing in which it wasn't a close-up deconstruction of some kind of theme or place or object (laughs) from the show. Thank goodness. It was different. I wanted to watch it every time. It was a relief.
1: I actually re-watched it just before we started recording tonight. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to watch it again. It's so good.
2: I did go back looking for some things before the review, and then like he gets the opening titles. Like, well, I guess I'm I'm watching these now. Like, why yeah. wouldn't I? <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's great to see someone just go. This might seem silly, but maybe it just seems silly because it's original and different, and that's a good thing. Let's not all do the crown mm-hmm. close up on the fucking queen's jewels, which are not relevant to the story whatsoever. Let's not do a projection of what imagery over the silhouettes of our characters or something like that. Let's fucking do something different mm-hmm. and. Like, part of a season two is, just by nature of how stories are, they're going to have new characters. They're going to have to do a whole new opening titles next next season. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, like, I can't wait. Will they keep the song? Maybe it'll be a different song. But it's going to be new choreography. It'll probably try to be bigger
1: than the last one. Like, <laughs> fuck, that'll be fun. Look forward to that already. I, uh, I, I think yes. the other the other thing, too, about the, the opening titles that I really like that I heard some people sort of talking about as well is... Uh, actually, no, it was James Gunn talking about it in, uh, in interviews. Like, he was saying Impartial. about how... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um he was uh he was saying about how yes it's really funny and it's it's big and and bombastic and all that kind of stuff and it's such a it's such a swing but it also as the show progresses and each time that hits and there's a, I can't remember exactly which episode it is but without being spoilery like there's one episode where it hits in the middle of something and it Feels mm-hmm. really disjointed and uncomfortable.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, like the, the the actual choreography and the, the 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 opening titles don't change themselves, but where they're placed and where they're placed within the story at that specific time can really have a different emotional reaction sure, sometimes. Yeah, which is I th- I found th- I, 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 it was after the, the first like the three episodes had come out, and I'd watched an interview with him, and he was talking about that. And every time, I like, from then on when I watched that show and, and the, the titles would start, I would feel that. I'd be like, oh, mm-hmm. this has different meaning almost now um, as the show progresses. But it's really interesting. While you're talking, Joel, how would you score Peacemaker Season 1 out of 5 stars? I would probably give it a 4.5. Mm-hmm. I'm usually a pretty, pretty optimistic person, but I don't want to be like, it's a 5 out of 5, like, you know, because... I I do think it's it, it is generally one of the my favorite things I've watched on TV in recent memory. Like it's I highly enjoyed it. It became appointment viewing every week for me. That that the the, the time of the appointment would be different times, but like it was <laughs> it was still an appointment that I had to watch every week, and um uh and I looked forward to it every every week. I was like hanging for the next episode. So um I think it's fantastic. I really really. Highly reckon, like you said, Damascus. I think even if you weren't really keen on it, I reckon check it out. Even check out those opening titles and yeah. just to get a feel. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I think it's it's just such a great show. Um even for someone like me who's not a huge DCEU fanatic or anything like that. So. I know we can't stop talking about
2: the tiles, but they are an excellent tone check. It's like, if you can watch that mm-hmm. and have a good time watching them, you'll probably have a good time with the show in yeah. general. I think you'll be on its, yeah. on its wavelength. Damask?
3: Um, I'm going to give it a very strong and solid four. Um, I think it's, it's not a perfect show, but it's solidly good and enjoyable and well-crafted. Um, and there's plenty of room... To grow, like you know, we know now that we're mm. going to get a season two. Um, so we're going to, you know, there's plenty more to mine there with that character and the people around him. So I'm looking forward to that. So it's a really strong four.
2: I 100% agree. I'm also giving it four out of five, it is excellent as per my sort of ranking. Or, or star ratings. Um, yeah, not masterful quite yet, but that's the thing I actually look forward to in a big way, is like, okay, James Gunn's got one season under his belt. I'm not sure exactly what the circumstances were for making it, but it did, did feel like a bit of an experiment, you know, it, mm-hmm. and maybe even a bit rushed. It kind of all seemed to be happening between making the Suicide Squad and making Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and their Christmas special. Oh, my God, there's just, he's got so much going on at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, that I really look forward to a season two. Some lessons have been learned. Um, how does he approach this format the second time around? And I think there is room for it to grow. And the story, within the story and the characters, I think where we leave off, is a great jumping off point for, so where do they go now from here after this experience? Um, really, really strong for, I 100% agree.
0: Planning for your next trip?
3: Alright everybody, now before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to ask everyone who enjoys the show to please review us on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. You can certainly do both. Nothing helps the show to grow more than by throwing five stars and maybe a couple of nice words our way. And to
2: sweeten the deal, if we reach 25 written reviews, we'll finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1.
3: We'd also love you to share Hunting Seasons with friends, family, whoever you think might also enjoy listening.
2: We'll be back in two weeks with our review of The After Party Season 1. If you'd like to contribute to our discussion of The After Party, or if you have any thoughts on Peacemaker, you can write to us, just like Steve did, or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at hunting S cast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for Peacemaker Season 1. Deep dive.
0: It's cool to know other people
1: think about this stuff too.
2: Where should we start? What do we want to talk about? What elements of the show
1: really are worth diving deep into? I I don't know. I think, like, for me, it's like not only were was Peacemaker such a, okay, he's their character and had some funny moments in The Suicide Squad, also, that team as well, that like, mm. like, um, uh, oh, the Argus God. team or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember. And, and, um, Viola Davis's character, I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Amanda Waller. Thank you. Um, yeah, like Amanda Waller, her team, like, they were sort of like, eh, okay, fine. It was like, yeah. Oh, okay, we're getting more of them as well. Okay. Um, but I, like, it's, it is like the crux of the show and it is just so beautiful to watch as well and, and see how these characters sort of interact with each other and then you get to the, have those moments like the um what is it, the 11th street kids
0: <laughs>
1: um like Hanoi Rocks like bonding moment in the van and, mm. and and like seeing her like start the group chat and like naming it like 11th street kids and sending a photo <laughs> it was like it, it was, it was, it had like cheesy feel- elements to it, but it felt good because you like these characters were all sort of feeling a little bit lost and they sort yeah. of found each other in this moment.
3: I think like those moments of sweetness hit really well because we do have a collection of characters who are all individually very lonely. Um, but that loneliness, um, it's never, they, don't take it too seriously. Like they actually live in their loneliness and they're not portraying it like um, the Batman, which I fucking hated, by the way. Um, it's, it's, oh, Joel just made a face at me saying that. But, but I would so, say, yeah, I'm just interested. I'm what curious. What are we talking that's, about? Yeah. The Batman.
2: Oh, the Batman. So I thought you said the Batman? I was like, is
3: that a reference? <laughs> Who's the know? bad man? The You bad know the man. bad Brad. I'm talking about you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, you can see the loneliness, but it doesn't feel self-pitying in a way that can be, you know, really grating. And so you have a natural affection and empathy for them so that when they do find connection, it feels richer for that.
2: Yeah, you've yeah. somehow you've picked exactly the, the first thing on my list I want to talk about, which is the chosen family aspect, which mm. right. ultimately is the bit that, like draws me to the show and I think by the end of it is incredibly successful. And I think the best example of that is Economos, I think, is like a great example of that whole yeah. bit about mm. like the, oh the beard die, right? The dye, oh bit. A, dye bit. And that ongoing joke about don't want you call me that, don't want me calling me that. And then to have that moment where he gets asked the question where he's pretending to be a butterfly. And he has to explain That's
3: my it. Moment. It is oh my it
2: is like it's yeah. so Wonderfully sad, and
3: I was moved. I was on the verge of tears, and I was like, "What is happening right now?" About this stupid joke about him dying his beard, and now this like absolute moment of vulnerability that makes so much sense because he's he doesn't want to do it, but he has to do it. He has to reveal this the deepest vulnerability in him, and it's heartbreaking and heartbreaking. And you just have like all these things of like. Oh gosh, what is someone you know if I was in that situation
0: yeah.
3: that, ha, what that would feel like, and to know that everyone's listening it yeah. was inc- it was an incredible moment, and in the mi- midst of all this chaos, to feel so much yes. was really surprising. And it's lovely.
2: It's incredibly sure. skillful when you can turn something that is a joke mm-hmm. somehow into like an important plot point and reveal. And the, yeah. the only thing that comes to mind to me of this ever happening, it's not an emotional moment like this one, but it is a moment of revelation in Avengers Endgame. No, 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 sorry. Sorry. Avengers Age of Ultron. Which is, at the start of that movie, *Spores* for Avengers Age of Ultron, if you haven't seen it for some reason. (laughs) Um, At the start of that movie, they're having the party in Stark Tower and they're all trying to pick up Thor's hammer. It's like the idea that no one can pick up Thor's hammer except Thor. Only Mm. someone who's pure of heart can do it. Right. And then at the towards the end of the movie we're introduced to the Vision who shows up Mm. out of nowhere. He's a really weird character. He's kind of like shoehorned into the plot at this point because like Marvel is just trying to explode its character base. It's it's not very good at it yet. But Mm. then in the midst of all this we see him lift up and offer Thor's hammer to Thor and you know instantly something that was set up as a joke at the start of the film means so much and you trust this guy. And it's like Mm. that's incredible that you turned what was a joke in the fucking trailer into a moment of revelation and like importance. For, it's just a storytelling moment like that. It's so good. And they can do that in this show as well. I think it's testament to James Gunn as a writer, not just of like dialogue, but a writer of story and of character. And what. Yeah. like, there are so many shows that we watch. What you're talking about, I think you said it very well, Damask, where it's not like their loneliness is like, Suffocating in a noir, Mm. hyper depressing way. Shows can do that and make it's all about how it's the end of the fucking world, their their lives suck or whatever. It's that it's those pure human Mm. moments that we all feel because they feel real.
3: Yeah. That takes ordinary loneliness that we all understand very deeply. 100
2: percent That's the highest compliment to a writer. They can pick those moments Mm. and make an entertaining show. Make you feel that in a show that's so funny and so silly and so hyper violent as well, is really worth celebrating. I think,
3: mm-hmm. and it's I think it's so like because we have the obvious um, instance in Peacemaker that his his defences separate him from other people, and it's very obvious how he does that. You totally. know, he's he's a, a bully and he's rude and he's. Um, he can't read a room and all and all of these things, and he also um,
1: it's also physically manifested at the end of I think the first episode with yes. like the sonic boom that yes
3: mm, absolutely knocks people but away. then to also see that like everyone has that experience, we all have those things about us that like these defense mechanisms that seem like you know like nothing but do in fact separate us from each other, um which is you know you learn all those things growing up to protect yourself and to learn that they're, they're actually um, stopping you from building real connections. So to see that not only obviously in the very obvious um, character of Peacemaker doing that, but in everyone just kind of, yeah, adds to everyone's layer of that desperate want to be part of a community.
2: What's interesting to me just about the the project butterfly Argus group or whatever you want to call it, mm. that group of misfits in general is that, Not they don't really stand out to me in any particular way. It's like, Economos is sort of that geeky nerd in the corner, but, you know, not in any way that I find particularly interesting on the surface. Harcourt's sort of got that, you know, action woman thing going, like the post-Tomb Raider, Trinity sort of action woman thing going for her, but not in a particularly compelling or original way that stands out. And yet, (laughs) I don't know how, just through conversation, through interaction, through the little scenes we get with these characters along the way, they become deep and complex and interesting people. and I feel like they are human beings. they' they're they are real people and characters. and i I almost can't explain how it works. it's that the ordinary become extraordinary just through spending time with them in a way that's charming and fun and vulnerable at times. It's well, it's, it's really so incredible.
3: rare that we actually get to watch just people be ordinary. Mm. Like even, you know, mm. you think even about shows that are meant to be about ordinary people, mm-hmm. they, you know, the way that they communicate is usually very, you know, heightened or dramatic or the experiences they have in their life are over the top and dramatic, but the ordinariness of these characters are in the subtleties, which is what being ordinary is. Yes, we have all this big plot stuff around it. But, yeah, those character moments are dialogue-driven or in the subtleties of a look um, mm-hmm. or, you know, between exchange between people and... It's all in the subtleties, and that and it connecting makes such a over
2: their favorite bands. And yeah, like- yeah.
3: Or oh, even to like
1: you were saying uh, earlier on in the episode about how uh, some of the jokes didn't like the, the, the sort of improvised stuff. Some sort of felt-
2: scenes just sort of ran long for me. I was just like, this and- could be tightened up, or didn't need to be quite as, as- take some of the fluff
1: off. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. And, and, and to an extent, I agree. Um, but like, if you're like, talking about like these moments as well, where mm-hmm. these characters are real. We've all had moments like that where we've True. not taken it like you know taking a joke in, a joke a little bit too far um, in terms of just like extended not not in terms of like overstepped a line or anything but like just uh, you know oh this joke's going really well I'm going to keep playing it up and playing it <laughs> up and playing it up and then eventually it just runs out of steam and everyone's like okay stop please Joel you you've you've had enough now
2: well real um, world conversations don't play to a tight. You know, ninety pages script or whatever it is. You know what I mean? That's right. not how actual conversation happens. So I think you're right about that. There is a certain naturalness to the stu- to conversations that get diverted and distracted by focusing on someone's stupid nickname or opinions on this thing that they differentiate on. Whatever. Um, there, I, you probably. I think you are right about that. Sometimes it was charming. Just other times, I thought it was like for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: but I get what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what about what about sort of the revelations or the backstory of peacemaker his relationship with his dad, the stuff about him and his brother, all of that the stuff that underneath the surface explains why Christopher Smith is Christopher Smith?
3: It's kind of there was at no point that I was overly surprised by really any part of the plot. I think I you know could understand. It was it was simplistic in its narrative. Um, perhaps I would have liked a bit more grey with the dad. Like, he was pure evil. Like, there's, yeah. there's no, yeah. like, subtlety there. He was a very evil man who did evil things and had seemingly learnt nothing throughout his life. Um, so there were broad strokes painted there. But I think the important thing in, in acknowledging that is the beautiful work done through the character of Chris. So yeah. while the, his what he was opposing or fighting against was simplistic, um, his reaction to it and the emotional effect it had was actually quite nuanced and beautiful.
2: Yeah, the grey doesn't exist in Orgy. The grey exists yes. within the Christopher Smith character. Yeah, one hundred percent.
3: Which is the most important aspect. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, I thought it for the most part, worked part worked really well. And yes, it wasn't subtle. And yes, the stuff mm. with the brother, like, didn't surprise in any sort of way. And yet, the way that those moments were played in the show, I thought were very compelling. The, when they chose to show flashbacks, when it got awkward talking about his brother or talking about his dad, or even the way, like, I think for me, what was really compelling about the stuff with Christopher and his dad was the that complex nature of like, you put my dad in jail, <laughs> finding out about that, knowing, you know, his dad's a bad guy to some degree, but also it's his dad. What's he going to do? That's it's like, yeah. it's just never that simple. Um, that's not like, that's even revolutionary to TV on any level, but it certainly emotionally,
1: they landed it where they needed to.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. No, I'd, I like I hundred percent agree. I was like, I, I just remember that, The the flashback scene of, of like, the fight with his brother Mm
0: -hmm. and,
1: like, the way he's just like, no, it's okay, you're fine. Get up, get up. And then as everyone sort of realises he's not getting back up Mm. and just the reaction of Augie towards Chris, like, I was so invested at that point that it it made me... I was so mad. I was so (laughs) angry at that point, like, how how could someone like respond that way to their own son like i don't know it just it really just fucking hit me and i was i i i was so, you got so mad you some
3: parenting tips from it then to not
1: <laughs> yeah yeah react that way don't Good be a white a... don't be a white supremacist and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know not my force my your kids son to, fight to kill your other, other yeah. son
3: yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Done. beautiful um, love it <laughs> but yeah it, i don't know i like it just it made me so fucking mad like that 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 was his instant response there was no not even like a a glimmer of like like sympathy or, or, or or humanity exactly there was there was no care towards chris at any point at that as soon as that happened and it was like yeah. Um, but I also did remind me of, like, the movie Walk Hard where there's, like, the, the dad comes in and he's like, <laughs> wrong kid, dad. Like, and, like, so yeah. th- that it was, it was a very conflicting moment for me when I was watching that, yeah. but, yeah. It,
3: it was also a great moment to reiterate to the point that his dad didn't hate him because he killed his other son. He had, had always mm-hmm. hated him and will yep. always hate him. Um, it was nothing about what Chris did. Uh, it was nope. simply the fact that Chris existed at all. Yeah,
1: it was not a turning point. It was this always was. Yeah, yeah, awful. awful. What
2: about what about the character of the bio of Danielle Brooks's character? Who I just want to say first and foremost, it's great to see Danielle Brooks uh, mm-hmm. is a lead in a TV show again. She was always a highlight in Orange Is the New Black. Yeah, it's been good to see her in. Smaller roles here, here and there. Um, I'm trying to think. Was it After Party or Barry or something like that? I've seen her in a couple of times. She's pop- popped up here and there. But I've al- always loved her in Orange is the New Black. And she, like, it's great to yeah, just see her in another huge TV show as one of the lead characters. Did you like that character? Did you like the story, the arc for her?
3: I, I don't know if I did.
1: Yeah? Yeah.
2: yeah.
3: yeah. Um, I... I found it really hard to understand why she was there. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause obviously she had a huge amount of conflict about being there and doing the things that she would have to do. Um, and we, you know, we get some context around, obviously we know who her, her mom is and that she was struggling financial financially and want to look after her partner and their cute little dogs. <laughs> um, for me, was that reason enough to be like, okay, sure, I might start shooting people or like working this incredibly dangerous field? I'm not sure about that. I I really enjoy the performance. Um, there was some there was something missing for me in that. I in that agree. Story.
2: I okay. agree. There was some connective tissue missing there somewhere. Mm. That because it'd be very easy to draw a parallel between Christopher and Augie and. Uh, bio and Amanda mm. Waller, you know. Mm-hmm. Fucking all James yep. Gunn characters are fucked up by their parents. This is yeah. not news. About, fuck, that's the case in all of television. Let's be 100% honest. and storytelling <laughs> in general. But, like, there is definite parallels that can be drawn here. It's, it's a different sort of, like, um, influence. It's not as overt as Augie's is on Peacemaker, but certainly Amanda Waller... You know, has trained her to be a killer on some into some description. It's not her mm. pro- chosen profession, but have you know has recruited back in, has drawn her back in this pose- to this profession. She apparently does have some skill. She seems to be conflicted, but maybe not enough for it to really be dramatized. I guess was the thing. It didn't. Mm. There yes, wasn't enough said. room to really get to the meat. Of that idea, I don't think, and I wonder yeah. whether that maybe comes up next season. That's and what I was thinking. there's more room for it there, but as an inclusion in this season, it's almost like maybe we should have kept the Amanda Waller reveal to the to later in the season as more of a like, okay, this is what we'll lead into next time. But we find that out very early; it's a secret to the characters, and it didn't really feel like it made a huge difference when that revelation came out either. It just didn't ha- pack enough of a punch in the narrative or yeah. in the or thematically to to quite land not saying it failed completely it just didn't really register in a particularly compelling
1: way i guess mm-hmm. i think by the time that revelation did come out to the characters within the show as well there was already so much other stuff that was yeah much more higher priority going on like mm-hmm. um they were just like well that's okay that's pretty fucked up but also, we got to go kill this giant fucking cow,
3: this alien <laughs> cow. I feel to- so sorry for that cow.
2: I know. Fucking love that cow. Yeah. Fucking cow- love it. Cow's great. I, I mean, James Gunn has done the same trick twice now in terms of instead of blue lasers, he'll have giant fucked up alien creatures in Star... Spoilers for the Suicide Squad, but this is like the prequel to this this series or whatever. Um <laughs> the the giant starfish in Starro, which was mm. a great fight with an excellent ending. Yes. Really love how that fight ends in that movie. Yes. Um and then to go sort of in that same to that same realm with this weird ass fucking alien cow thing that needs to be taken out. Really enjoy just finding a way to make a weird gross mm-hmm. interesting twist on the we need to stop thing from ending the world.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like
2: it's, I was
3: a bio be shot oh, into it. It yes. <laughs> was hilarious. I really oh, enjoyed that.
1: Human cannonball, or human <laughs> torpedo or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> God, that was funny. Uh, when Just she like-
3: nails herself like the first time was brilliant. <laughs> I was like, great, good job, good job. Yeah. And then for it to happen a second time, I was like, that's comedy gold. Thank you. It's,
1: yeah. Uh, it, was, uh, it was great. I, I, I think when you sort of you, you're watching along and you, you know it's a James Gunn thing and they're like, Oh, we've got to we've got to go kill the alien cow. You're just like, oh, that that's going to be fucked up. Like that thing is yeah. going to look messed up, mm-hmm. and, have, and yet kind of cute. Like, yeah,
2: exactly. It's that's little looks, like tooth
3: or whatever it had. I was like, that's a tooth, cute face, little chomper. Yeah.
2: And then it remind me of those little like the fat
3: creatures from um Doctor Who, like the little oh the adipose, oh, adipose, adipose, Yeah, yeah. yeah. remind me of that in the face. It was so cute.
2: <laughs> it does actually, yeah. In general, also, I loved the idea and the execution of the butterflies in terms of the idea of like aliens that take over people's bodies. Like, does everyone remember the Yerg from Animorphs back in the day? Yes. Yes. Of course. It's like, it's, it's not far removed from a million things we've seen before, mm -hmm. but that there was a beauty to it as well. Mm -hmm. Like that scene where, Um, They're released into the police station. They start taking over. Mm. It was like beautiful and horrific at the same time. And terrifying. And terrifying. That's only a thing that someone like James Gunn can really do. There are a few filmmakers and visionaries on television that could make that look as cool as it did. I genuinely did feel for them on some level, even though they were trying to take over the world. Mm. Like there was a desperation to their situation, a vulnerability to that. Like if we just take away their food source, they're fucked sort of thing to it. Yeah. that made and like even the way they were sort of appealing to Chris at the end, even though yep. it was a manipulation. That you know they they weren't a hundred percent wrong. There was mm-hmm. they were complex and awesome, and I really, really, really loved the character of Mern. That mm-hmm. moment where he reveals that he's a butterfly to at a bio and then they have that conversation and that desperation he has about like. She's like, you killed a guy and took over his body, and he's like, I had to, and I chose Mm -hmm. the most fucked up, awful person I could. Yeah. And even then, this still haunts me that I've done this. I don't want to because Mm -hmm. it was really
1: good. (laughs) They allude to the fact as well that like they sort of take on their memories as well, so they 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 like reliving the horrible things that this person has done, and it's oh, it's messed up. Oh, I thought that was fantastic. Similar thing with um with the the police captain yes um uh sophie um, i was went, so sad when she died i, I, was, know, I yeah. really enjoyed her, her i was yeah. so
3: upset she was um. great
1: but the moment where she goes in and she talks to her like a partner yeah before before you know unleashing hell in the within the, the police station and she's talking about how like every time every time it, it smiling works differently for different yeah beings mm. like you have to like th- relearn it every time you get into a different body. it was yeah. such a it's such an interesting idea of like oh like that's really messed up but also kind of sad and <laughs> like it, yeah it, that that one really stuck out to me as well I was just like okay that's very interesting that these characters these little butterfly things uh, have these thoughts and feelings that they're mm. going
3: through. I mean um, just even to have the moments of when Chris has his little butterfly pet yeah. Yeah. Are, are really yep. good and obviously we know that he you know, has great affection for his pets and we can talk about that in detail later but those moments were really great that then obviously has such great payoff at the end when he's actually able to have a conversation with this creature that he looked after for a little while.
2: Well, why not speak of Eagly while we're here, actually? Yes. What do we think of Eagly? You know, see, was was the most convincing eagle that's ever been on screen. Probably not, but in terms and of execution... And we've seen so many. And we've seen so many. <laughs> but, like, in terms of execution, in terms of that, the silliness of this, like, dog-like eagle that...
3: I loved it. Yeah,
1: exactly. How many have we seen... We may have seen many of them, but how many have we seen hug a human being? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. that's... <laughs> Yes. Just one, twice. Yeah. <laughs> it's so I think good.
3: Just like the opening titles, which is so silly. It, yes, it was silly. Um, and I can see why people, I don't know, who hate life wouldn't enjoy it. But it, it, it I sets really, a tone. really enjoy it.
2: Sets it sets a tone. Yeah, it, yes. it's it's yep. like if if get get on board with this. Why wouldn't you get on board with this? And yes. once you're on board for this, surely you're on board for the rest of it as well. It's like, like why
3: wouldn't you want to live in a world where you could have a best. friend friend who's an eagle that gives you hugs but like it's the same absolutely world that it's fucking great.
2: you know superheroes existed and yes. giant starfish and butterflies like it's not that fucking far no. removed guys it doesn't need to be exactly yeah. i feel like are we is anyone angry about eagly maybe we're just making I up find, like I straw
0: I mean.
1: <laughs> Surely,
3: should we yeah. physically fight these imaginary <laughs> I think, people I, I think absolutely
1: we yes please let's go <laughs> um no i i, I just I, but there's even that 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 scene in at the diner where where they bring up Eagly and they're like, mm. wait, you called your pet bald eagle Eagly? And he's like, well, yeah, he's my best friend is Eagly. Like, <laughs> that?" that's the thing there where it's like, if you're not if you're not on board, this is probably not going to be – not, not going to get any better for you, yeah.
2: What but- I need to know and what I'm looking up as we talk right now is is Eagly like uh, – uh, was he invented for this show or was Eagly always a part of Peacemaker, oh, the character in the comics? I'm going to look it know. up. The question I will ask though – The character of Augie, who is an outright bad guy, racist, Mm -hmm. piece of shit, obviously Nazi, you know, white supremacist, whatever. Mm -hmm. How do we feel about those moments where, like, he gets a lot of screen time to say supremely racist shit? The character of Sophie, the police officer we were talking about that really liked, has a lot of interactions Mm -hmm. like this as an Asian woman. Um, Mm -hmm. How do we feel about those moments? Did they... Cross a line? Did they work for you? Why was did it work? Why was was it okay to have those moments in this show?
3: I if think it, it works particularly well in the scenes with the police detective um, because she's given such a voice and like it comes back to the, um, clear intention, right? So mm-hmm. we he says something incredibly racist to her, and she just echoes it back to him, but about mm-hmm. white people, and you mm-hmm. realise how. Bucking stupid, it is yeah. like how yeah. just absurd and ignorant that kind of comment is. Um, and to you know, her, seeing her kind of take the power out of it yes. um, was was really effective for me.
1: I think yeah, that's 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 probably the best way to put it. I was just going to go with uh, it was uncomfortable at times, but I think obviously that's the point. Um, <laughs> it, it's um, yeah, just some. Of, I think that that first scene at the dinner table with uh, where, Peace Maker, where Chris goes back to see his dad to, to get Eagle and all this other stuff, like, where you instantly know that this is, oh, this person is a terrible human being. Um, and it's going to take a lot to I- I- even try and redeem them and that never happens. But, um, yeah, just, like, as soon as that starts, you're just like, oh, jeez, okay, that's, um oh, okay, we're going there. Mm-hmm. But then I think you're right, though, by having that character be able to sort of, like, just echo it back and go, well, no, fuck you, you are. You're stupid. Like, yeah. and point out how dumb that actually does sound. It's like a childhood, like uh, children arguing in a, a schoolyard.
3: Yeah. I also liked um, the moment when his best friend, whose name is escaping me right now, Chris's best friend. Oh, that vigil- is Vigilante. Vigilante. Thank you. Um you know, like he goes into the jail, mm-hmm. and there are moments where, like, you know, you might see skinheads or white supremacists in jail, and there is, like, well, you know, you know, they're the bad guys. There is an element of coolness given to them, and I think with how vigilante approaches them and speaks to them yes. with absolutely zero respect, um, really said a lot to me.
2: Hundred percent. Do we? Well, that's interesting. We haven't talked about vigilante at all, really. As a character. He's weird because he's a very much an outsider for a while. Mm-hmm. He's an extremely manic-like... Steve was comparing this show to Deadpool to some degree. Mm. And Vigilante really has the most Deadpool mm-hmm. energy of anybody, I think. Um, yeah. Only taken to, like, a different, weird, psychotic, extreme that even Deadpool can't reach. Um do we do we have affection for that character? I'm not sure I like that character in any way. Not the same way that I have sort of fallen to like the rest of that crew. It's hard for me to, to say I like or have much affection for the character Vigilante at this stage. Any
3: I t- do yeah. have affection for him. I think he's a great example of a sociopath you can get behind (laughs) Um, you know like he he doesn't feel the full spectrum of human emotion i don't know if he can really feel empathy at all um and yet he does have loyalty and he does want to use his natural abilities um for quote unquote good um i also like you know i've seen people mention um similarities to deadpool i think Deadpool is dripping in self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Right. Vigilante is the absolute opposite of True. that. He yeah, has yeah, yeah. no awareness. Mm-hmm. I found the actor really funny, great comedic mm-hmm. timing. I every time he was on screen, I was like, I think I really love Vigilante.
1: That's that, that's fair. Like I I think any time I was like, oh, I'm starting to come around to this guy, he would do or say something where I'm just like, oh, you you crazy. <laughs> yeah. You <he's- laughs>
3: He's absolutely crazy,
1: yeah. yeah. And um, But I think I, I think you're right, Damassa. I, I I think that eventually I was just like, oh, well, yeah, he's crazy, but, like, he's entertaining to watch <laughs> and you're not wrong about him being loyal to Chris because he is, like, you know. Um, and one of the moments that sort of broke me a little bit was that moment after she, he gets out of jail and I think Adebayo picks him up mm. and he's just sort of like... Basically, it's like I was no. Um, Harcourt picks him up and it was like I was I was trying to help. Like I was just trying to be a part of the team. And it's like, oh, you, now you just want friends as well. Why can't we all get along?
2: So much of this, sh- so many characters are just like they just want friends. It is it is lovely that we now we have two. Psychopaths sociopaths on TV we can love, both vigilante and chivroy. That's wonderful. Um, <laughs> what about Well, one thing I want to talk about. I don't know about the character of Harcourt. You like that so one? I mask? wasn't expecting that. I really enjoyed that, yeah. <laughs> the character of Harcourt. Mm -hmm. uh, sort of the the normie amongst the group to some Mm, degree, apart from being a hard-ass, sort of seems to be maybe the most sensible person to some degree, the reliable one, the one if you want someone to make a decision, give it to Harcourt. It's
1: like the straight man of the group. Totally, straight man, good word
2: for it. Um, Did, how do we feel about this like very slowly, potentially budding romance or at least attraction from Harcourt to Peacemaker. Does that make sense to you? Did you feel that?
3: Yeah, I think because for, what, 99% of the show, it was like a hard no. Mm -hmm. I really liked um, because Peacemaker, as I said in my spoiler-free review, is a douchebag and she knows that. She's a Mm -hmm. smart woman, um, doesn't need that kind of attention or affection from someone like that. Um, she's incredibly capable and focused on what she's she's doing and is and shows herself to be a really great leader. So the crux of her story is not about that, which is really yeah. important. Um, so then by the time we do come to the end of the show and we've seen them all fight together, we've seen her um, sacrifice, which was really moving and then how that hit Peacemaker and the rest of the team emotionally um, so that, at the end, if there is something more than friendship, it is somewhat earned. I don't think they're going to fall in love straight away. I don't think no. that's what's coming at all. But you could at least understand why there's a deep affection between the two.
1: It feels to me more like a brother-sister relationship in a way.
3: All right, I, I clearly never had a sister, bro. What are you doing at home? <laughs>
1: but no, like in terms of like, I, I don't know. There, there, there was obviously at first where he just got what out of prison. What do you do when and he's you see you just someone? Let's <laughs> move on from that. What do you that. say to her? Let's move on from that. Um, <laughs> but I think that the, the whole <laughs> idea <laughs> of their relationship is is that kind of feel where it's like it's like a mutual respect thing more so than sure. they want to fuck each other. Um, well, it's, funny enough though, that's why I think like this.
2: I could see this turning into a sexual relationship. Not that far into the future, even. Not necessarily a romantic one, or at least not Mm. from her. Like, if she is vulnerable, and she is something I actually really like too, so often in these things with all this violence and stuff, there's no real consequences. Even the way Mm. this show starts, he was meant to be dead in the last movie, and he walks out of that hospital with miraculously not a scratch on him sort of thing. She is recovering from a serious injury in a very serious way that is going Mm. to have potentially lifelong effects on her ability, and that's not nothing. I don't think. Especially, I hope they don't just like go. And six months later, she was fine at the end of the Mm. uh, end of the start of season two. But but I could see how you know this guy that likes her, and there is a sweetness there, could be someone you connect with when you're feeling lonely or mm-hmm. or lost or whatever it might be again yeah. okay. not maybe not romance but certainly like a sexual life affirming connection why not yeah just finally on hardcore actually uh, another just moment that i liked the way it was executed especially in terms of like showing the complexities of christopher smith i guess was when he finds her in the bar i think in episode one and Mm. like approaches her and she's not interested and then she has that scene where the guys keep you know approaching her or whatever and it's that bad attention she gets from the group of guys over there that she deals with in her own way but when she kicks their ass and moves on she also turns to chris and goes you're also fucking pestering me dude Mm -hmm. like you're yeah. not the good guy because you're not as bad as these fuckers are you still yeah. you still followed me in here and like fucking have come here deliberately to try and have sex with me like fuck off yeah I, yeah. I, I appreciated that dichotomy that, I appreciate that, the, the
3: the um representation of the sheer exhaustion sure <laughs> that yeah. a you know a woman can feel just to like any space in public she walks into yeah she can't be alone she can't. Be, she's. She's not permitted that. Um, and how frustrating that can be. And that was a great demonstration of that.
1: Any last words?
0: Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note.
2: Do we have any side
1: notes, Joel? You can go first. I mean, like, anytime. One of the most exciting things for me about anytime I get a new piece of James Gunn. James Gunnery. Um,
2: <laughs> That's a good term. I'm, um, I'm, I'm coining
1: that one. Coining that one, sure. yeah. James a new Gunnery. piece of James Gunnery. Um, the best part about that, well, one of the best parts about that for me is that I get uh, like a new playlist of songs that are generally mm-hmm. going to be awesome. Um, and this one is all, you know, full of um, I think Gunn himself referred to the genre as like... Um, Hair metal, s- right? Sleaze yeah. metal as well uh there's like sleaze metal is another like subgenre of that all right um and like yeah all they had all these like weird subgenres of like hair metal 80s hair metal huh. um and there's like like new bands and old bands and things in there as well and bands that I'd like oh I've kind of heard of them before but I've never really listened to them mm. um and yeah i it, it like i've I've now got another great playlist that I can just listen to of just this fun Rock and roll songs. Um, it actually leads me to another point as well, like the idea of um, or the um, the scene of Chris playing piano, mm. of John Cena mm. actually playing piano and playing. That version of that Motley so Crue song. So it was actually him. It was him. That's why they shot it from th- so many different angles. Well, that's incredibly impressive
2: because there was a part of me. that was actually one of my observations. Like I'm struggling to believe that John Cena can play the piano because he his hands are fucking massive. Yeah, like, his they
3: fingers are, are chunky. sausages. Yeah, he's, <laughs> a,
1: he's a big boy. That's incredibly impressive. Mm. Um, but yeah, apparently, like I, I'm I'm it's, it's pretty sure I saw Gun talking about it where he was like, "Yeah, that was that was him." He I played. believe it. He cool. learned that and played it and, yeah, just, you know, testament to him as an actor as well and, like, taking things seriously, just being like, yeah, I, yeah I'll learn how to play this song, this Motley Crue song on piano. But, yeah, that was, the soundtrack was great. I, every week I'd get, like, new bits of it that they'd add, like, so they update it weekly oh, with cool. all the songs from the new episode. Um, and uh, that was really good. Uh, also, to really quick side note about all the – um these weird characters that James has now made canon into the DCEU, which is he yes. would always update everyone every week on Twitter about what was now canon because of him. Um, <laughs> things like Batmite and...
2: Yes. Oh, like I actually Calendar like Man. the character
1: of Batmite.
2: Right. I'm super stoked that um, that they might include Was Where was Calendar Man in there?
1: I think he gets mentioned... Oh, was it Calendar Man? It was... No, that's in Suicide Squad. Yeah, Suicide Squad because I remember his brother played Calendar Man in that. Briefly. It was um, oh, like Matarita Lad as well was another one that was a, 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 that got brought up of like you know he ate a whole Wendy's and like still was <laughs> still was hungry afterwards.
2: The idea of Batmite being canon in the Ben Affleck Batman universe is fucking weird. I can't even imagine how they do that. But anyway, I love that it's in there now. <laughs> uh, Damas, do you have any side notes? I do not. I've only got a couple left because we talked about most of them. Just quickly, there was a mention of Kite Man as a character so that, that was uh, Peacemaker had taken out at one point, which of, for me, Kite Man really... Maybe I'd heard of them before, um, Harley Quinn, but I am, you know, relevant and largest character in Harley Quinn. It's a shame I can only watch season one of that uh, in fucking Australia. What the so fuck annoyed. is going on, Amazon slash HBO slash whoever? Um, and when is season three coming as well? Uh, but the ending bit. The One of the, the big moments everyone talked about, the cameos at the end of the of finale, course. right? Yeah. So we had uh, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, The Flash, and Superman show up at the end, the ju- mm-hmm. four members of the Justice League, and we had those little interactions between uh, Barry and um, Arthur. My only real question is, where was Batman and Cyborg? Uh, mm. Why were those two characters missing since it was in silhouette? I didn't really feel like there was particularly... Uh, Henry Cavill, Superman. It felt like a generic Superman or maybe yeah. the one that's on the new Superman and Lois show, whatever that's called. It's not Lois and Clark. Well, like, I saw
3: on the Twitter that for some reason they were there and then they edited them, edited them out. Do you see next to Superman there's a huge space? Really? Sure. Apparently right. that's where they were standing.
2: Interesting. That huh. suggests to me that WB is trying to figure out what they're doing. I mean, the WB, I can't imagine they're going to get... um the same actor back for Cyborg after all the crap that's gone on there. They fucked that one up and they're moving on to a new Batman. So maybe they want to transition in the Robert Pattinson Batman Mm. and not really think about the Ben Affleck one anymore. Um, So maybe that's it. Oh, it actually makes a lot of sense. If I think about that way, I didn't realize they filmed it that way and they cut it out. That's,
3: that's Weird. what t- Twitter told me, so I
2: believe it. And I, that it yeah, that up. makes sense. That would make yeah. I, like that's. But also, I they're just a fucking silhouette. Who cares? We're <laughs> aware of those other six characters. I don't know. Maybe and
1: it wasn't know. even the whole point. Like it was like it, it's that interaction between um, Barry and Aquaman, and it's like, well, it, it is true. Fuck you, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great little like uh, moment there. Highlights and low lights. What was your low light, Joel? Ah, oh, I, I I don't know. I just I thoroughly enjoyed so much of it. It's it's I really did. I it's it's really hard to pick like a, a low point, I guess. Um I don't know. It's I think maybe hard too. It's good to see everyone came prepared. Good. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh Jesus. Oh. No, um I, I think the apart from him putting in a really great performance, especially in the out, like the outtakes and things that I've seen, um, the Mern sort of like man on the inside of the police. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. that was sort of a bit of like a, that didn't need, like that was sort of, relatively yeah. unnecessary in the long run
2: yeah it didn't really i mean it, i suppose it kept things flowing to some degree but but the, mm. but then the butterflies just sort of take over and it's like exactly whatever, like it was over.
1: like yeah i don't like it, it didn't really it was like oh, okay I, I didn't feel anything for that character when the, the butterflies did take over i was like oh okay bye um so I, yeah if i had to narrow in on something that was i i found sort of distracting or disappointing
3: sure I
2: think that's it. a really good answer actually to mask mm. anything
3: uh, look, it's hard to choose because there's not really anything serious to complain about. No. But I guess um, my low light is obviously when Adabai comes home and like kisses her girlfriend. I was like, I wish I cared about this character <laughs> and this relationship. I was like, you're I don't know the any are always girls
2: kissing on TV yeah. shows and you're disappointed like, by
3: this. <laughs> I don't know why, I don't, like I'm not feeling anything and I don't know anything about this woman who's out uh, his partner other than she like i don't know seems to complain about her work a lot i don't know i was just like oh, damn it i wish i had some investment in this story
2: i think i, I in a way i agree with you in the sense that i, I like my low light kind of in a vague way i couldn't think of much either was just what i was saying about some dialogue moments that went overstay their welcome whatever but i think yeah that the execution on the Adabio storyline generally mm. could have been a little stronger. It's not a performance thing. It's not no. even like a writing thing from a dialogue perspective. It just never seemed to fully, uh, fully realize itself in a way mm. that was actually compelling next to what was happening with Chris, and because that character seemed re- like was almost like our fish-out-of-water character to some degree. The person that's coming from the outside who didn't have much experience yeah. with this stuff and it kind of did, but it was it was, a, it was a weird balancing act that was going on there. It never really quite happened. That beautiful, like, we're friends now moment at the end of the season, loved that. Loved, you know, my trust is betrayed, but we're friends again thing. Great. Mm-hmm. I hope they can sort of take what was there, especially in relation to Amanda Waller and take it to the next level in season two. If they, if they can... I will be easily forgiven. Highlight. What was your highlight
1: of the season, Joel? Um, I'm, I'm, there's too many, too many things to think about. Again, like of, of just how, how much I uh, uh, part of the show that I am gush, really Gush, 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 gush. Go. Hey, I, I, I said I, I'm, I'm doing what I said I'd do on the box. <laughs> so it's um, uh, I I just want to. I'd probably say like the the final fight sequence, like that like, uh, the, uh, storming the barn mm. where the cow yeah. was. I'm really enjoyed that. Yeah, so the choreography was just insane. Like, the part where Peacemaker throws his shield up in the air and then, like, shoots it and it, like, launches into someone's head. And... Yeah, take that, Captain America. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, it was, you know, so many just – it was crazy, like, uh, a crazy moments and, and really choreographed quite well and exciting and not just, like, close-up shots of people – throwing fists around and things mm. like that so totally yeah, yeah 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 which is always like a big thing that i have with like fight sequences yeah. if often it gets too in tv close... shows too they try and cheat stuff and yeah. yeah
2: no you got to see all the action that's true
1: yeah um and it was just yeah i think it was choreographed really great and you know apart from the fact that like the whole show i just really loved but yeah that one really stuck out as a highlight to me where i think about how good it was totally damask
3: for me, it's got to be the beard speech. It was mm-hmm. so heart-wrenching. Um, and I think if I ever decide to go to drama school, it's going to be my monologue. That should be... <laughs> I want to see that being year
1: 12s <laughs> this year. Yes. Uh, oh, yes.
0: Yes, oh, please. That would be fantastic.
2: <laughs> VCE, put that on the uh, curriculum right now. Fuck yes. Um, um, for me, I'm going to say the highlight or just... Yeah, a highlight for sure. A gorilla being killed with a chainsaw is something I can honestly oh say I've never seen before. And it's absolutely fucked up in only a James Gunn sort of way. Mm-hmm. That was a massive highlight. Also, you're late, you fucking dickheads, to the Justice League So good. is a heck of a great line. So good. Like, Especially
1: after like, the lead up to it as well previously of them talking about like why didn't the Justice League show up? And like where are they? What are they doing right now? Like, I don't fucking know. It's like, well, you late, dickheads? Like, oh, yeah. It, it was like, if you're going to have that
2: moment, and like, was that a James Gunn idea? Was that like studio mandated? Whatever the reason, mm. to be able to, to sum it up with, you're late, you fucking dickheads to the Justice League is yeah. quite beautiful in its own weird way. Yep. That's that's beautiful. Uh, predictions, hopes, and concerns for a season
1: two. Joel? I Look, I'm just... Uh, I'm excited for more of this. Just want more. I I, I really just want more of it. Um, I'll watch the second season of this. I absolutely will when it comes out. Um, looking forward to, like you said, I didn't even think about that. Uh, the idea of like a, a, a new choreographed dance number for mm. an opening sequence with an all new cast. Um, I, I'm not. I, 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 if it was Marvel, I'm really big on like cameos and who's going to show up. Whereas this, I'm just like, I don't, I don't fucking know who's going to show up. Like, uh, I don't have a connection to any of those characters, but still exciting. That could be something that's fun to look at as well.
2: Did spoilers for the Mandalorian? Was the Justice League bit at the end a deliberate dig at like the shit that Marvel did, or well, that Disney did with Luke Skywalker? Like oh, that's. No. Fucking funny to me if it was, because like
1: I want to I make that like canon in my
2: head. Now. In my head, that's the connection, and that was rightly yep. roasted and well done, James Gunn. Thank you very much. I like that. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, damask predictions, hopes, concerns.
3: Um, I think if I didn't know James Gunn was coming back to Helmet, I would have a concern that um they would lean too hard in the silliness aspect, because obviously mm. people enjoy. Um, the the opening titles and all that stuff and there is mm-hmm. so much great humour in it. They would lean too hard on that and then forget what really brings us back for each episode, which is the heart. So I don't actually have that concern. Uh, but, you know, season if you really love season one, season two is always a bit scary.
2: Totally.
3: So that's just a general concern I have. Um, but ultimately, I have much more, far more hopes than concerns about this. Um, I'm looking forward to... The, those friendships uh, continuing on and even those that are now somewhat separated w- where those stories are going to go mm-hmm. but actually back to concerns now that they are separated is that going to wildly change the dynamic what does that mean for the show I don't know but I, I'm definitely going to tune in for season two um, and my expectations are going to be very high
2: yeah um, a lot to think about I, I, the, what you were saying about season two concerns I 100% agree with the that sophomore season is a gets mm. a lot of shows. Yeah. The James Gun coming back that gives me a lot of hope. I think of the Guardians of the Galaxy of it All. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. While I don't mm. adore it the way I adore season one, I really like it. And what I like about it is that it goes in deeper on the characters. Right. And I think if that if there was one problem with Guardians 2, it was probably that there was too much there for the runtime.
0: Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. right. when
2: you've got a television show, you can do slap on a couple of extra episodes or make a couple of episodes run a bit longer and it mm-hmm. won't interfere with the pace so much because you can do it in digestible chunks. So actually I think that might be perfect for him. He has he knows how to go to that next level with characters, um, beyond that just getting the team together. And so I kind of think that could be really great. I'm very interested to see how the Chris and the ghost of Augie thing works, which is apparently mm-hmm. actually something from the comic books um, mm. that his fucking Nazi dad talks to him through his helmet or something like that. Um, I don't know the details. I'm not in with the character whatsoever. But this is... Because one of the things that actually at the time when it happened would have been my low light potentially was the way they resolved... The Augie stuff happened very mm. quickly and very suddenly. Very and like, quickly. And I was like, this should be a finale moment, right? So then when they built in this idea of like this figment of his imagination that continues to haunt him, which fucking oath I think is a great metaphor. Not not a subtle metaphor, but a good metaphor that, you know, just because he's dead doesn't mean he doesn't continue to influence his son. Mm. Exactly. It's I, I'm like, oh, great. They aren't finished with this then. We can go further with this. I think it could be actually really great in season two. I hope they can tie that in with some stuff with Adebayo and Amanda Waller as well, because mm-hmm. there is definitely some synergy I have ideas there that could make for some great drama and some great um, themes. Um, I, I'm interested in Harcourt potentially being a leader if they come together as sort of a group the same way that they did in this season, whether it's a group that's put together by Amanda Waller, probably not, or you know, on their own, outside of their normal lives or jobs or whatever, that could be great too. I'm actually pretty excited and have very few fears as well. Right. If anything, one season under James Gunn's belt on this format, give another go, completely writing and directing, because I'll be honest as well, the episodes he directed would tend to be the best episodes too, and he directed most of them, but not mm-hmm. all of them. Um, I think it's a lot to be very hopeful for. I would not be surprised
1: if I liked season two more. What, but what season animal- two's- what animal project will it be? Cause we've had Project Starfish. <laughs> we've had Project mm. Butterfly.
2: Project yeah. Lobster. No, we've done Sea Creatures. Ooh, project it's... Project Honey Badger. Um, before we wrap up, quick question. How do we feel about the character of Judo Master? Is I was it, heartbroken
3: for him at the end. Because yeah. he you know, was fighting for this... Just cause, or so mm-hmm. he thought. Yeah. And then for him to come in and just realise that everything he'd been working for and these creatures that he had been working alongside were now all dead, <laughs> um, extinct, really <laughs> emotionally touched me. I was like, that poor guy.
1: Um, some of the moments, though, with him, like the the scene where Peacemakers are being held captive in the basement by... Um, Man?
2: Uh no not married um
1: uh yeah the, other. the 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 butterfly i know not he got got uh, goff goff thank you yeah We're um off? yeah whatever. and and Judo masters sitting opposite him and eating flaming hot cheetos and then like flicking them at at peacemaker like that whole thing there and uh the idea of uh, james Gunn now making like Wookiees by holes that have teeth like bringing that sort of <laughs> Star Wars lore to to the, the forefront as well was was fun as well. But um, I just think it was a really interesting character. Um, i Yeah. A character I just hope we get more of. I hope that was oh, yeah. I, yeah I want to know more about That's uh, what I want to know more about him.
2: Considering the time they gave to that character, like w- the bit outside the convenience store, I was yes. like, where, where is mm. that going? Is this going to yeah. be vigilantism as well? What's the – I'm not really sure. Well – there's just a lot of attention. It was like a character they introduced, had a fight scene with, then tied them down, had another fight scene with, then tied them down and they then almost killed but did not then got away. And then it's very weird. Like, um, I, I, how does this character reconnect back into the overall plot? Yeah. yeah
3: I think it's fair to assume there's probably going to be more there. I would well, assume so. There's,
1: you know he's hiding in the, throughout the opening credit sequence as well. He's in the background. Like, you, if you zoom in on, like, the black spots in between, like, some of the uh, the set pieces. He's oh, really? Like, he's There's like two or three points where he's like, oh, at least one anyway. But he's hiding, and like you can see him pop his head out and then oh, sneak cool. back in. I yeah. guess I'll
2: have to go watch that opening credits one more time. I
3: guess.
2: <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordas, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask.
3: Can't find me anywhere. Bye.
2: <laughs> Joel, thank right. you very much for coming to the podcast. Uh, where can people find you
1: online? Spruke, Dialogue Options, go the whole hog. <laughs> um, yeah. So you can find me on Twitter at Joeliemack um, or yeah, ho- co-hosting uh, Dialogue Options is my good friend, uh, Kyron, uh, who's been a, a guest on this show as well before. He has. Yes. A um, couple of times, I think. A couple of times. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we, we do a video games podcast. If you enjoyed hearing me ramble about about Peacemaker, I would do the same thing. Just insert whatever hot new video game is out at the time. <laughs> um, which, it, like I mentioned before, it will be Elden Ring in this most recent <laughs> episode. So, um, yeah, uh, you can also find me uh, on uh, yeah Twitch as well. Sometimes I have a very irregular streaming schedule, um, but that's follow. Uh, follow See, updates when Jolly goes online. Exactly. Yeah, Twitch.tv forward slash. Jolly Mac one four
2: one four. Very quickly, also spruok While we're here, if you're listening this far, you might be interested. I was on the latest episode of the Swapcast podcast. Uh, we were reviewing. I was filling for Lucy, who wasn't able to make it for that episode, and we reviewed a Thai sci-fi rom-com called AI Love You. Uh, you can check that out. And do you, do, Joel, do you know anything about this? Or? I don't, but I, that title has it's got good me title. intrigued. <laughs> the, the general premise is a buildings ai falls in love with a woman that works inside him and he takes over a man that like fixes the ai and then tries to woo her as this as this man uh, you Hail can find on Netflix time. if you're here to um, And also, apparently, I'm, I'm likely to be on, almost definitely going to be on the next episode as well, to review uh, Pixar's Turning Red, which is a body oh. Oh. film. Pixar have done two <laughs> body <laughs> films in a row, which is pretty cool. I'm excited so, about that. that. Next episode, we'll be back to discuss the After Party Season 1. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We'll oh, see you next time. Bye for now.
3: Bye. Good night, everybody. And so,